Jordan. Welcome to the podcast. Glad Thank to have you, you on. Glad to Tell me on. more about yourself. I want to hear more about how you got into selling and stuff like that. Yeah, so um, actually I grew up just in Hurricane, um, born and raised. Went to high school there, and then I served an LES mission in Russia. Oh, wow. Um, so I was there for two years, came back, and I came back in Feb- late February, like basically in March. And the way sales works, like I'm sure you're aware, but it starts beginning of summer when it starts to heat up a little bit, goes till essentially the end of the summer. And so I kind of had like a two month period where I was just hanging out, I did like a half semester of college, and okay. I was working at like a, a, a troubled youth home. And one of my like best buddies from high school, um, we were just hanging out and he's like, dude, like you should, you should look into doing this with me this summer. And I was like, what, like, what are you talking about? And he kind of told me about the gig and everything, and I was a little bit skeptical because, you know, knocking doors. Oh, I bet. And back then, I mean, I think it's trending more now for sure. Like, everyone kind of knows about it, especially in Utah. Was it unheard of? It was, I mean, I had never heard of it to that point. Um, My brother, my brother had met with a guy like a year before, but it was like super, it was considered like a big scam, especially back then, you know? And so I was a little skeptical, but um, uh, it was a guy that I played basketball with who was a few years older than me in high school, uh, who was going out, he was going to California. And so I, I kind of knew him, I trusted him, and I, I sat down and met with him, and he kind of explained the whole thing to me. And, and anyways, I was just, I was young, like I, I didn't really have much to lose, you know? I thought living in California would be cool, so I decided to go give it a try. But uh, that's kind of how I ended up getting into it. Okay. So how long have you been doing that? Since every summer you just Yeah, since then. So I started when I was, um, I had just turned 21. And I'm 28 in a month. So I've been doing it for, I guess, seven years now. Um, But yeah, I mean, uh, it's been kind of a good enough gig where at first I was like, all right, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to do this, get myself through college, right? Because that's kind of the pitch is young guys who are in college uh, kind of have that time frame in the summer where they can go live in another state and they have four months. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's kind of the crowd that it appeals to is college students. And so I was like, yeah, I'll do it, get myself. So if it works out, like get myself through college, jump out, For sure. go be an accountant. Yeah. So that was kind of the plan. Okay. And then did you finish college? Oh, I didn't. Um, I, I actually have um, three classes left. To, I to think I remember you telling me that when you came and spoke right. in your mom's class. Yeah. That you're going to go back and get it just for her or something like that. Mm-hmm. The last she, uh, she's been super passionate about always like, get your degree, get your degree. Yeah. And uh, my, my logic was, you know, at the time, the, my first summer was kind of tough. Um, you know, like it's essentially going to a different state that you've never lived in before. And like, somebody driving you out to this random neighborhood and dropping you off and they're like, hey, do you all see him, you know, eight hours? I'm sure and, the mission helped though, right? Right, that, yeah. Did you see a connection between that? Um, I didn't knock so much when I was in Russia, but I mean, all we did was cold contact, right? Like uh-huh. just people on the streets. Just so it was, it was really similar. I mean, it's an awkward feeling to go knock on a stranger's door. Oh yeah. And, you know, they're like, what are you doing here? It's kind of just an awkward exchange. But I, I was kind of accustomed to the awkwardness and so, it wasn't as tough for me to kind of jump in, you know, not knowing anything about it, just because I had had that experience in Russia. Yeah. Um, so I think that helps for sure. For sure, yeah. So explain to me 
the company that you sold for. And because I remember in our class, for our listeners that don't know, Jordan came and spoke to my marketing class at school. And I remember you telling me about your pitch that you do and you dress up as like a repairman. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Right. To get some curiosity in the people. Can you yeah. explain that to me? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of just uh, the traditional, like when, I mean, imagine you're just sitting at home, you know, and someone knocks on your door. Like typically if I, if I don't know who's coming over and someone knocks on my door at home, I'll look through the people and be like, all right, who's, who's knocking on my door? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, historically, like in the, I've worked for companies, different companies previously, and we would just wear the typical like polo, Nike polo with oh, our yeah. logo on it. The iPad out. iPad. Actually, back then it was uh, clipboards, uh, yeah. paper, everything. But yeah, we had like a clipboard. Um, we wore khakis and then just Nike tennis shoes. And oh, it yeah. was just with the... Uh, you know, with the necklace with your kind of ID on the end of it. Mm-hmm. And someone opens the door and they're like, or they look through the people and they're like, oh, I got a salesman in front of my door. And it's, you know, just, just for those of you who don't know about this, it's hilarious, but it's so obvious when someone comes into their door and sneaks away, like you can hear everything, even though it seems really? like you wouldn't be able to. And so That's good to know. I'm telling you like 50% of the time, someone looks through the people and they turn around and sneak away. Because no one wants to talk to a salesman, right? Uh-huh. And so um, what we started doing was we started wearing what our technicians wear. Um, and by law, you have to wear like long pants, you have to wear waterproof boots, um, you have to wear you know, a work belt with some of your tools in it, uh-huh. um, and then a long, a long sleeve blue collar uh, shirt and with, with, a, with a hat. Um, and you know, people started looking through the people and they're like, who is this guy? Like, so instead of it being screaming like I'm a salesman, it kind of was like this big question mark. And it's kind of like curiosity kills the cat, people answer the door. And so I feel like when we kind of made that transition, I noticed that my numbers started going up from this, the summers previous to where we were wearing kind of just wow. the typical um, you know, salesman get up. Whose idea was that? Um, it was a guy that, uh, um, he was actually one of the founders of the company and how it came about was uh, sales is, um, you know, if you ever end up doing it, it's really, really monotonous and it's very boring and it can be tough. And it, four months seems like a short amount of time, but when you're knocking doors for eight hours, it, it's actually a really long time. Um, oh, yeah. And so there's like, we, there's just billions of competitions uh, where we just do giveaways for, you know, iPads and things like that just to keep it interesting. And we do something called Throwdown Thursday every Thursday, where you pick a guy in the room who's just barely above you in numbers, and you kind of do like a bet, essentially, and uh, you pick a punishment, and the loser the next day has to do the punishment, right? And so, you know, things like, just stupid things like guys would eat like a raw onion, like a full onion, um, or uh, one of the things that came about was if, if you lose to me, you have to wear the full technician get up. And so he wore it and you know the next day he like had a really good day. And so he started doing it more and more and more. Uh-huh. And then more guys started doing it and eventually it just turned into like this thing where like that's what the that's what we all did. Everyone wore the technician get up because people responded better. Yeah. Do you see other companies doing that now? No. Um I've I, I took that back. I've heard of um I believe it's maybe Green X. I've heard that 
some guys who left EcoShield and, and, and they kind of started the trend over there. And okay. I've heard that it's kind of trending, but I've never seen, uh, you know, you run into guys knocking in your area all the time. I've never seen anybody wear um, anything but the typical polo. Because that is brilliant. Like, how do you explain to people why you're dressed up like that? Do they ask? No, but they just answer the door curious, you know, which is uh -huh. exactly what you want. Instead of answering the door with their walls up, like, I don't want to be sold anything, you know. And so it just kind of really transitions well into the pitch. Um, and so I feel like people just respond a lot better. Uh -huh. And, you know, honestly, it's just a numbers game. Like, you know, if you go from talking to 40 people a day wearing the polo to just 50 people a day wearing the technician get up, you know, I, like my numbers now that I've been doing it for so long, I sell like one in five. So like that's two extra deals, you know? Oh, yeah. And if two extra deals for a 100-day summer, you know, that's an extra 200 accounts. And even if it translates into extra 20 accounts, you know, that's Still. money in your pocket for mm -hmm. just wearing yeah, something different. Yeah, why not? Yeah, that's awesome. So tell me what you're up to now, creating your own pest control company. Yeah, so we, um, yeah, uh, I never really, they, you're kind of always scared to make the move just because there's a lot of risk you, you kind of take on and you know, sure. owning a business, you know. Um, but we, uh, we owned a branch in California and that was our first time ever jumping into actual ownership. So what does that mean? They give you like the rights to go and expand? Essentially, yeah. They, they give you um, the company name, they give you a couple of faces that have been associated with the company for a long time. And they're in the office kind of managing everything, like taking in phone calls, handling cancellation calls, doing free reservices, like if someone has issues in between, we do like a free reservice thing. Okay. And they'll run the software for like, if we spray 100 customers a day on average, once they're sprayed, they all need to be rescheduled. Uh, there needs mm -hmm. to be technicians assigned to, you know, 10 different routes, because we spray about 10 a day per technician. And so they do all that, and we just do what we're good at, which is recruiting and selling. And okay. you can kind of go to a location. They take half the equity, you take half the equity. And wow. you just keep doing what you're doing, but now you're getting, you know, actual equity ownership in the, yeah. in the company. And so it's a brilliant model, but essentially we kind of got to the point where we opened another one in Maryland and we did all the groundwork. Uh, we, you know, we kind of were put in a position where we had to learn the software. We had to hire technicians, we had to fire guys. We had, essentially we were doing everything. Yeah. And it kind of came to the point where it was like, why aren't we just doing this for ourselves? Mm -hmm. And so that's you know, ultimately what we ended up deciding to do. And so this coming summer, 2020, um, we're launching uh, Green Defense Pest Control, which we're excited about. Um, awesome. And we'll see where it takes us, but I think uh, it'll be a journey that we're really gonna enjoy, so. How do you go out and recruit guys? Are you starting to do that right now? Yeah, so, um, not to get too into the numbers, but there's a lot of different models out there. Um, okay. it's, the same, it's the same business, like pest control is the same business. But you get companies like Terminex and Orkin, which everyone knows, where if you were to call in and say, hey, like, I want to get a quote on my house, this is my square footage, and I have ants, they'd quote you about $800 on the year. Uh, roughly, give or take, depending on the area that you're in, the state that you're in, those kinds of things, but more or less. And then you've got companies like Aptiv, um, who you know is, is a very popular door-to-door -door company. Mm -hmm. And typically when door-to-door, -door, when, when it comes to door-to-door, -door, contracts are about 400 to 
and it's not up to the, our competitors like Terminex and Orkin where they're, all, they're nearly double, right? And what Terminex and Orkin aren't paying is they're not paying a, a commission to guys to go put on the accounts for them, right? Whereas yeah, exactly. door-to-door companies are, I mean, companies like Aptiv are averaging like 65% commission. Mm-hmm. And so if you can, Terminex and Orkin, wow. first of all, they're charging double, and second of all, they, they're 65% more of a profit margin because they don't have salesmen. They just, they do it all through popularity of their name at this point. That's Does that make crazy. sense? Yeah, so that's pretty much the only option you have is to just go door to door. Right, so right. EcoShield's a little bit different, same model, right, recruiting. But we, you know, this last year nationally, uh, we did, uh, I believe, 60,000 accounts. And we averaged um, an eight, an 844, I believe is what it was. And so we're averaging what our competitor, like Terminix and Orkin, are averaging, wow, um, which is big for door to door. Me and Anderson, my, my business partner, we're kind of taking a different approach where the bulk expense in this whole thing is, and so we're not bringing anybody for the first year. Uh, we're just going to go put on. We're going to try to put on about fifteen hundred accounts, mm-hmm. and they're free. Those accounts are completely free. Exactly. Might and, as well just go out and right. So we don't have to incur a ton of debt, and so year two. Once we've already got 1,500 customers rolling for a year and that income is coming in monthly, then we can go hire a sales team and not have to go into debt to do it. Yeah. Right? For sure. And so we're actually not bringing a team this year. It's just going to be the two of us. Cool. Yeah. So walk me through your pitch that you do. Yeah. So um, kind of what we talked about like in class. Um, there, I mean, there's a psychology behind the whole thing. You know, it's, it's been thought through for years and years and years, and guys have gotten really good at it. Um, but essentially, like to put it simply, there was a, you know, Forbes kind of narrowed um, a market with, with consumers who buy goods down to, to three different types of consumers. And there is, um, there's keeping up with the Jones, right? Which essentially means if your buddy gets it, you want to get it, right? Your buddy mm-hmm. gets the new Kobe's, you want the new Kobe's. Um, there's hot button shoppers, which uh, again, like we talked about, um, you, you pull your shopping cart up to the register and on either side, you've got like the gum, the magazines, like all those little knickknacks that, you know, usually are going to grab a couple of them. Um, and so that's the hot button shopper. And then the third type is just the bargain shopper. And that's just the, the sheer fact that, you know, if you've ever dated a woman, if a woman can get, if my wife can get a bargain on anything. Like she's buying it. And yeah, she, it doesn't matter. She's pumped. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and, and it's, I mean, for me, it's the same thing. If I can get a bargain, I'm pumped about it. Oh yeah. And so, you know, you take those three different types of shoppers and you, and if you, you kind of realize that everyone's at least one of those types, if not two or three or all three and you, mm-hmm. and you put, you condense those down into one little pitch so that you can appeal to all different three types of consumers. Um, you're more likely to pique somebody's interest. For sure. And so, you know, the pitch is really simple. Basically, when you walk up to the door, you're the salesman that everybody hates and you just have to know that. And um, they didn't invite you to be on their property, right? You're knocking, you're stealing their time. They're probably doing whatever they're doing in their house, watching a Netflix series or anything that they were doing, they'd rather be doing than talking to you. So they're trying to get you off the door. Mm-hmm. So you just, you have to realize it's gotta be condensed and it's gotta be quick. And so, um, the pitch is really simple. It's, you know, you knock on the door. I always turn so my tool belt is showing the door. 
and that's you know again it kind of creates that curiosity okay, yeah and then people open up the door and I stand a ways back so that I'm not up in their face uh, kind of threatening I don't square up my shoulders with them I turn to the side big time why is that it's just really non-threatening you know if you uh, if you if, if you answer the door and there's a, a, a big guy sitting there with his shoulders squared at you and he's you know five inches from your face you're gonna be a little more intimidated which you probably already don't want to talk to this guy Mm-hmm. And so it's just really, really passive, a really passive stance. I'm far back. Um, I usually am looking at my phone, right, so that I'm not just staring at the door waiting for somebody to answer. Yeah. Um, and when they answer, you know, it's, hey, I'm, I'm really, really sorry to bother you. Um, really quick, do you know? And we've got an app that pulls up all of our customers. Uh, it's, it's essentially like Google Maps, right? You zoom in, it shows all the houses. Okay. And there's a green star on every house that's my customer. And you know, in each neighborhood, if you have 200 homes, you're gonna have 40 customers or so. So you're gonna have a lot of, of that social pressure right there. And that's appealing to the keeping up with the Jones shopper, right? For sure. And so the pitch is, hey, I'm sorry to bother you. Um, do you guys know, you know the Nilsons four homes up from you? Okay, I'm, I'm actually their bug guy. Um, the only reason I'm stopping by your house, I've got my trucks out spraying the next couple of days, and I've got some downtime um, in between where I'm doing nothing. If you guys want to get the house sprayed, uh, it's basically been the same for everybody. We've had ants and we've had cockroaches. Um, if you want to get it done while I'm out here, I, I, I would do the full property for dirt cheap for you. And then you just wait. Um, you know, it's the old phrase, like whoever talks first loses. Uh-huh. And so it can get awkward. Like sometimes people just stand there, but you just wait for a response. And essentially you're going to get one of about five responses. Um, no, thank you. Right? Uh, how much? Which is the desired response? Because that 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 shows that there's some interest there. And so then you're like, okay, these people are actually interested. You can work with them. We can work with them. Um, not interested. How much? I've already got a company. Um, I'm renting, or I, I guess that's probably the four big ones. So what if they already have a company? What do you do? Uh, it's just called a switchover account. Um, all you do actually the. Those, are, those have become some of my, probably my favorite type of person to pitch because they already have pest control. They're already writing out a check every three months to somebody. Uh-huh. All I'm convincing them to do is, instead of writing that name, to write my name on the check. And I, in return, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, I'll do a better job on your home. That's true. And you know, I, I typically like to, the company that I've worked for for the past few years has, we do a really quality service. And we do a few things that most companies won't. And so those are things that we'll go into, like, hey, look, like we do this, 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 and this. If I can match the price, you know, would it make sense to give a local guy a shot to in your business? And they're like, well, what is, what's the price? And I say, well, you know, how much are you guys paying? And then you kind of work with them that way. That's perfect. But yeah, so I mean, there's a pitch. Once you, once you give the pitch, 20 seconds, you're done, you get the response, you know exactly which roadmap to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, the not interested roadmap, the how much roadmap, the I already have a company roadmap, or I'm renting roadmap. And so it's all dialed. So if they're not interested, do you try and work with them still, or do you just say, okay, have a good day? Uh, I, everyone has a different rule here, and I think this is where salesmen get a bad rap. But uh, a lot of guys can get pushy, like five, six, seven, eight no's before they'll you know, leave. Really? Yeah, which I, that makes me uncomfortable. I, I, I've always felt like if you're a good salesman, you don't have to do that. And so I, I kind of take a different approach where if they tell me no twice, I'm gone. And 
after they tell me no once, I've got a really, really passive way to kind of continue the conversation. And a lot of times it'll, it'll pique their interest enough that we can keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just depending on the guy, I guess. So with all these doors that you're knocking, because you said you only um, get a yes one out of five times and you sign them. So how do you overcome all that rejection? Like how do you stay positive throughout those four months that you're out there? Yeah, and you know that can be, uh, I'll give you an example. We, uh, we, we, re- we recruited 52 guys this last summer uh, that drove from Utah, well California, Utah, Arizona, all the way to Maryland, which is a 36-hour drive. Um, and, you know, they, they were serious about the commitment. And we had, uh, by the end of the summer, we had 26 guys that finished. It wasn't 52, it was 51. So almost, almost half of the guys went home early. And it's just because it is a mental battle, you know. It's not, it's not a physical. We get these guys that are, you know, out there working 12 hours a day doing, like, hard construction. And those kind of guys are always fun to pitch because it's like, look, dude, you're walking door to door. It's great weather. You know, it's really yeah. easy. You're having conversations. That's it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the mental battle is kind of always underestimated. And uh, for me, like, the rejection is uh, I think you can do, let it do one of two things. You can either let it damage you and you can let it affect you. And, and once you start to let it affect you, it's just a, it's a slippery slope. Like, it, it gets worse and worse and worse. And your pitch starts to be affected. People can read right through them, I'm telling you, they'll eat you up on the doors. Um, but for me, it's just like every no I get, I'm just, I'm, if I get a no, I'm four, four away from my next yes. If I get another no, I'm a yes, only three more. It's a good perspective, yeah. So it, it's just, you know, there's one or two ways you can look at it, I guess. Do you see that a lot with rookies? Like they just get so in their head that they just can't do it? Yeah, definitely more so with rookies. Just because experienced guys have already been through it, they know what it is. Uh-huh. I think rookies kind of, you know, every guy who goes out thinks he's going to do really well. Otherwise, he wouldn't go. You're not going to get a guy who thinks he's going to suck that's going to go out and do it. Mm-hmm. So everyone goes out, it's like, yeah, I'm going to crush it. But um, I, I think when guys start to get that rejection and they, they realize, like, oh, this is way harder than I anticipated, um, it starts to scare them, right? And when you go for a full week and you've got zero cells and you've worked 56 hours for free, a lot of times that'll kind of weed out weed guys out so it's typically more so with rookies yeah yeah so what's the worst experience that you've had selling so far um and we'll flip back and do your best experience but i want to start yeah yeah worst, just to get a good perspective on it so um let's see my worst it, it was honestly it was probably my first week ever uh it was almost eight years ago but i remember it like it was yesterday um you know, I, like, I, like I said earlier, I got home from my mission essentially in March, and I heard about this mid-April, met with these guys a couple of times, and by May 1st, I was out there. So I never got introduced to a manual of any sorts. I never got introduced to, you know, I- anything that wow. helped with training. So they just threw you They threw there. me to the wolves, man. Oh um, and I remember my first day, um, I was up in a neighborhood, and... You know, I think your first year switchovers are really tough. Uh, I, was, I was terrible at them. Um, and I was in this neighborhood that was built just a couple years previous, and there's a company by the name of, um, oh, I can't, it's slipping my mind. But what they do is they, they, they approach newly built neighborhoods, and they, while they're being built, while they're being framed, they pitch them on, hey, you know, we'll put tubes in your framing 
And all they do is they put a can in the side of the house and they turn the nozzle and it literally spits pest control into all their walls. And so it's like this just insane barrier. And so I was in this neighborhood wow. where everyone had this company, Home Team Pest Control, that's what it's called. Oh, and I literally, I was like, yeah, like I, I definitely don't put tubes in your walls, so yeah, have a good day. Right, and, and I, you know, they don't treat any of the yard, I come to find out, you know. And so like there's ways that you can switch Home Team over all day now, but at the time it was terrible. And so my first, my first week, my first four days I sold zero. And I remember just going out, getting kicked in the teeth all day, coming home, going to bed, waking up at 7 a.m., getting to the meeting at 7.30, and we were back on the doors by nine. And it was like all day, right? So I was out there for like almost 40 hours, and all I heard was no. Jeez. And so uh, it was- It's gotta get so old. Oh yeah, it was brutal. It makes you, it makes you definitely kind of think about what you're doing. Oh yeah. So. So on the flip side, what's your best experience you've had? Um, my best experience was, I think a lot of, actually probably 90% of the time, I guess a lot, a lot of us are, a lot of us guys are just egotistical in, in a sense where everyone sets a goal before the summer. And I think 10% of the time guys actually hit that goal. We just always, it's not a bad thing, but we just always think we're gonna do better than uh -huh. we actually do. And so um, I've actually been able to, doing it so long, I, I know how I'm gonna perform a lot better. You know, it's a lot more dialed because I've been, I've been experienced enough to know now how I, how I perform, perform on the doors. But these last two summers, I've been able to um, hit my goal. But specifically, wow, two summers ago, um, I, had a, there, I, I, did a, I, I did a 60 week, which was the best week I had ever done and my like my first summer I did like six weeks was my average and so you know fast forward six years later and I did a 60 week and it was it was 10 a day is what I averaged and so for me it was like a, it was really really just like a surreal experience yeah yeah jeez so what's the number one thing that selling has taught you that you can apply throughout your whole life um I think selling has kind of just given me the confidence that um, I mean, really, you can, with the right pitch, you can kind of convince anyone, you know, to do anything. You can go do anything you want. You can, mm -hmm. you can pass interviews with flying colors. Or I, I just think for me, the confidence that it's given me in learning how to sell and, and realizing that sales is um, such a big part of everything that we do. You know, so true even in just conversations in with everything. buddies at lunch yeah. or it, it's just everywhere. Yeah. And so kind of just taking that skill that I've been able to develop and kind of applying it into life, I think um, has really just changed everything for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, so last couple questions. So I buy and sell cars and I was wondering if you could help me come up with a pitch. Because I have people, I post my cars on Facebook Marketplace and KSL, and they'll message me saying, hey, I'm interested in this car. And then sometimes they come to the dealership and they'll look at them, and I show it to them, you know? So what do you think is the best pitch that I can give to them to have them buy the car? And another question along the side is a lot of people ask me, even through text, they're like, so how low would you be willing to go? And I don't know how to answer that because I don't want to give them some number when I can make more money, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm just wondering what you would do in that situation. Yeah, I think um, kind of developing a pitch, I think it's a little bit different because it's door-to-door sales is cold sales, it's cold calling. You've got someone that you approached that has no, had no idea five seconds ago they were even gonna be pitched on shopping for pest control, right? Or for whatever. And in selling cars, it's, it's a warm sales where they're actually contacting you, whether it's through the internet or on the phone or however, asking you questions about your product, right? So it kind of, the roles are reversed there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think just realizing that there's three types of shoppers uh, a hot button, so maybe asking them questions when they start to talk to you about a, about a car, like, what is it about this car that interests you? Or what what type of vehicles are you looking for? I have others, you know, I'm just wondering because I've got some other cars that I could potentially show you. Um, so knowing what they want, um, number one. Uh, number two would be, I guess keeping up with the Jones doesn't really apply in this situation. But number two is just, a bargain like everybody wants a bargain and I know with used cars my brother does the same thing he's sold cars for like seven years now and um, you know used cars like it kind of has that um, reputation that you can kind of negotiate a little bit mm-hmm. and people love that people love negotiating and so the question that I would ask people if they if they send me some sort of a message that said you know what would be your bottom dollar I would just respond and say um, you know, I, I'm actually showing the car to a few people, but just out of curiosity, what would you be willing to pay for it? And once you get that price for them, they're obviously never gonna give you their top dollar. No one in the right mind's gonna be like, well, I have $10,000 to spend, I'll give you 10,000, right? Mm-hmm. They're gonna be like, I, I, could, I could do 85. And so just knowing that there's a little bit of wiggle room from anything they say, they're obviously gonna shoot you low. I would just say, look, if you wanna give me, you know, instead of 8,500, uh, I can do ninety two fifty. That's the lowest I can go, and I'd almost be losing money on the car at that point. Okay. Right? Yeah. So just kind of finding out some more question asking, you find out some information from them. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, because I've always hated just giving them a price over text too, without them even seeing the car. You know, because I've had so many people ask that. What's the lowest you can go? What's? I'll give you eight grand for it right now. It's like I want them to actually see the car so that I can talk to them in person. So. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Have you read, um, um, let's see, there's Sell or Be Sold by Grant Cardone? I've heard of Grant. I've read the 10X rule, but I haven't read. Okay. The 10X rule has got a lot, His con, a lot of his books, the content is very similar, you know, from book to book. Uh-huh. But he's got a book that. called um, uh, The Key to Sales or something like that. Okay. And he actually was a car salesman. And he, uh, he, he shares like hundreds of different closes and different, he worked on a lot, I believe. Really? And uh, anyways, I went through it and kind of wrote down a bunch of the stuff that he, the content that he shares in there, but it's, it's a good one. Uh, if, you just, if you just search it, it's called um, something about like the sales guide. That's what it is. I think it's the sales guide. Okay. Um, so look into it, it's a good one. Yeah, heck yeah. What other books do you read? Um, I, I've, I've read, um, what are some of your favorites? Yeah, I try to do like twenty books a year, and that's good. I've usually that's only good. done, um, kind of like the what are they called, like the self help books. Uh huh. But I've also started to do a few of you know more of like story books and some autobiographies, and I've actually really enjoyed those. I uh, have you ever read Shoe Dog? 
Yeah, oh, that's one of my favorites. Okay. Heck yeah. Yeah, I, I love Phil Knight, Shoe Dog. Just because, yeah, Phil Knight. The story, you know, where he was. Especially for you. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, kind of. So I just love the story of him starting from 10 pair of shoes and building it into Nike, you know, mm -hmm. and kind of the journey that he went through. But, oh, yeah. Um, that, I, I, loved, I loved that book um, off the top of my head. Do you know um, military guy? What's his name? David Goggins. Goggins. That dude is an animal. Have you I read just, his? I listened to his audio book what, a month ago. Holy What's flip. that one called? Um, unbro or can't hurt me. Can't hurt me. Yeah, that one was you, yeah, pretty pretty inspiring. The guy is nuts. Yeah, that that kind of will. I mean that that one's again good for for my industry because summers can get mentally tough. It's just mindset. Right, that's... and he's all about mindset. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's um, a good one. Those are kind of I, I would say those are probably three of my favorites. I loved the ten X rule. I really did. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, this is kind of a hard question, and take your time with it. The last two are pretty hard. Um, so if we could hop in a time machine right now and travel to any time in your life and you could tell yourself anything, where would you go and what would you say? That is a tough one. Um, let's see. I think uh, for me, I mean, there's just lots of things that are coming to mind right now. If it's with family, um, you know, it'd be kind of something different there. But if it's with, you know, career, talking about career, I would probably go back to my younger self. And um, especially that first summer, like there were so many times where I was just like, what am I doing with my life? Like I'm out here, yeah. just scum of the time. earth, wasting my time. I would probably just say, hey, look, just, you know, just get through this make it happen you're gonna learn so much from it and um, I would probably tell myself to we were gonna start our own about I guess four years ago now and I wouldn't necessarily call it a regret but if I had one it would be that we didn't do what we're doing right now a few years earlier mm -hmm. I think we were scared to make the jump um, things were really really good where we were and it's hard to leave a really yeah. good situation oh, for yeah. you know a big risk, um, and so maybe maybe the thing I would tell myself is you know stick with this, have confidence it'll all work out, and uh, when you have that first inkling to go off and do your own, do it. Don't don't doubt it at all. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's what I'll go with. Yeah, like that. So you can prescribe anything to the entire world, and they have to do it for thirty days. What do you tell them to do? I love this question, man. I love it. Um, you know, this is, especially when I'm talking about, when we just finished talking about David Goggins, so uh, I feel like I was saying this, even talking about him at all, but doors are tough, um, and, and so many people don't realize it. And every time I sit down with a guy uh, and, and kind of pitch him on the idea of coming out and working for us, um, I always say the same thing at the end. I just say, hey, look, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. Um, I don't care if you if you will suck at this job. I don't care if you'll be the best door door salesman that's ever hit hit the doors. Uh, everyone, in my opinion, should try, um, no matter what your situation is, because anytime somebody goes through a period of suffering and doubt, that's kind of when you find out who you really are. 
right? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that first summer was such a builder for me. I learned so many skills that I've been able to really, really sharpen and hone and, and develop over the years that have made me into the person that I am. And I think so many people are so afraid of, of jumping outside of their circle of comfortability. comfortability. Mm -hmm. And we see it all the time. And I think so many guys don't go do sales because they're like, you know what? I'm making $15 an hour where I'm at. They told me I was gonna get a promotion next year. Uh, I got a girlfriend, you know, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm living with my mom and dad, like it's free. I'm gonna stay here, man. When in, when in reality, if, if they would just take that leap of faith. Yeah, take the opportunity. Even if you go out and you just, you know, you fall on your face and you come home a month later, I think that the, the lessons that you learn at, at such a young age will just benefit you for the rest of your lives. And I think that, um, you know, I, in, it, I, I look at a lot of people, a lot of my, you know, friends or, or people that I've associated myself with, and I think I see so many people with so much potential, and it's really, truly sad to see these people just not do anything because they're scared to take a little jump yeah, and just go make it happen, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, so that, that would probably be mine, is I would want anyone out there to go hit doors for 30 days because it'll, it just will teach it. you who you are, it really will. Mm -hmm.